I'm going to share with you this morning. And when I was young, uh, oh, it was a few years ago now, quite a few years ago, we went to uh, one of our friends' families for dinner quite regularly. And in their toilet, they had this poem on the toilet door. Actually, it's a great place to put something inspiring because you can't help but read it every time you're there. And so anyway, over the course of the years, I got quite familiar with this poem. And I want to share it with you this morning. It's about being yourself. And goes like this. You must learn that you cannot be loved by all people. You can be the finest apple in the world, ripe, juicy, sweet, succulent, and offer yourself to all. But you must remember that there will always be people who don't like apples. You must understand that if you're the world's finest apple, someone you lo- and, and someone you love doesn't like apples, then you have the choice of becoming a banana. You must <laughs> but be, you must be warned that if you choose to become a banana, you will be a second-rate banana, but you can always be the finest apple. You must realize that if you become a second-rate banana, there will always be people who don't like bananas. Furthermore, you can spend your life trying to become the best banana, which is impossible if you're an apple, or you can try again to be the finest apple. <laughs> I like that poem. Let's just pray. Lord, we just... Um, Thank you for this morning, and Holy Spirit, we just commit this time to you that we have, and we just ask that you would move and you would speak as only you can. God, we don't want another message. We don't want more words. We want you to touch our lives and change us and transform us and do something in this place that's going to change the world. So God, we just ask that you come, and um, we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I want to have a look at that age-old battle of being ourselves and running our race. And um, everyone has a certain race that's mapped out for them, and it can be a challenge to focus on that. So let's start with a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But I like the amplified version. It just stretches it out a bit, a bit and it says... Um, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. I like that. We're his work of art, his masterpiece. And Jeremiah 29, 11, you guys all know it. You can say it with me if you want. For I know the plans I have towards you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I know I've got the wrong version up there, <laughs> just to confuse you all, but I like that version. And you know, I love those verses because we are God's masterpiece. We are his work of art, and he has great plans for each one of us that he's already mapped out. He's already planned before we were even born. And we're all incredibly gifted in different ways. And we're unique. Each one of us is unique. But we live in a world where everything is measured. You know, everyone's comparing who's the best looking, who's got the most money, who's got the best job, who's got the best house, whatever it is, that's the kind of world we live in. And because it's such a um, competitive and a comparison-based world, it can be quite hard just to focus on being ourselves and being happy with who God created us to be. But it is so important. And you know, you see it in kids. They, I love the, the fact that kids are just themselves. They don't yet know not to be anything but themselves. You know, this morning, our little girl Emma and some of the other girls are up the front and they're dancing and they're having a great time. And they don't care what they look like. They don't care what anyone thinks. They're just themselves. There's a freedom in them that it's just, it's great to see that. 
And I don't know, what does being yourself really mean anyway? I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it's something that I've sort of tried to figure out along the way. And it can be a little bit hard to work out who you really are because you get caught up in what people have said you are or expectations that have been put on you or what you think you should be. But actually, we've got to work out who we are. And that's a changing and evolving process as well because, you know, life changes us, time changes us, circumstances and situations change us, tragedy changes us. And sometimes the things that we thought weren't gifts or weren't strengths in our lives can actually end up being the things that become great strengths and the things that God uses, uh, which is awesome because it's all for his glory. But I think the key in not trying to be The key in trying to be ourselves is not trying to be someone else, not trying to live up to other people's expectations and not trying to do something we're not gifted to do. And I'm sure we all face this in different ways. I mean, for me, I have to not try and live up to being my parents because they're pretty amazing parents, you know, and they're they're gifted and talented, but I'm not them. I might like to be, but God's not called me to be them He's called me to be me, and that's our challenge for every one of us. We've got to be ourselves. While we might wish we could change some things, swap some features or some gifts, the reality is God made us exactly how he wanted us to be, and he's given us everything we need, everything we need for what he's called us to do in life. Romans 12, verse 5 to 8 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's to give, then give generously. If it's to lead, lead diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I like that verse because it just points out that God has gifted each of us differently. You know, none of us are the same. And our job is to be the best that we can be, the best me I can be, the best you you can be. And as we start to get that in our lives and live that out, Um, there comes a real freedom and confidence with that. You know, the more we're ourselves and comfortable being ourselves, the more confident we are because we're not trying to be something that we're not really. And, And it's good, you know, when we're free to be us, that's a really healthy place to be. And you know something, we don't have to have great gifts for God to use us in a great way. God can use any gift, no matter how big or small, and use it for something great. And this morning, I want to have a little bit of a look at King Saul and King David throughout this message. And so in 1 Samuel, when we look at David, we see the gift that put him on the radar of King Saul and everyone else and eventually led him on that path towards the throne wasn't actually his leadership skills. It wasn't his dynamic um, personality or the fact that he was handsome. It wasn't his ability to write and play music, although I'm sure that helped. It was actually his ability to accurately sling a rock. He was a sharpshooter with a slingshot. You know, and he probably thought when he was a shepherd out there that um, it was kind of cool that he could do that. But I'm sure he wouldn't have thought that it was that significant. I'm sure he would have never thought that it would lead him to killing Goliath and eventually becoming king one day. He was just out there with his sheep and he would use that slingshot. No one was watching. He was all alone. But it was that slingshot, that seemingly insignificant gift that he practiced and honed out there in those hills that caused him to defeat Goliath and started him on his journey towards the throne. It's kind of cool, isn't it? And David was comfortable being himself. 
And if you remember, when he went to fight Goliath, he went and saw King Saul. And King Saul tried to give him his armor, and he put it on, but he found that he could hardly move. And so what did he do? He took it off, and he said, no, I'm okay. He grabbed a slingshot, he got his five stones, and he went out, and with God, he defeated Goliath. He was just himself, but with God on his side, he made a massive difference and changed history. And the great thing is that story is not limited to King David or to Bible characters, but it's for each one of us because God has given each of us unique gifts that when we give it to him along with his power and anointing, those gifts can be used to do something great. And we all know that it's not about the gift because we can have any old talent, but if God anoints it, if God breathes on it, then he can do something amazing. And we've all had those experiences. You know, where we've, we've done something and we think, how did, how did I do that? It wasn't me. It was God in us. So that's awesome. So let's not underestimate what God has placed in our lives. It's such an exciting season to be in. And, you know, those gifts that he's placed, he wants us to use for his glory. There's a story about a little boy in John 6. And all he had was five loaves of bread and two fish. Nothing much, not very significant. But when there were thousands of people that were hungry, Jesus took those five loaves, he took those fish, he prayed over it, he multiplied it, and he fed 5,000 people. But you know, that story is not just about that little boy and his lunch. It took a mother to make that lunch. It took a mother to get up that morning and she probably got the ingredients and baked that loaf of bread because she couldn't go to the dairy and just buy a loaf. And she probably baked those fish and I can imagine she wrapped it all up. She would have got her boy out of bed, got him ready. I don't know how old he was, but, um, you know, and sent him off packing with that lunch, never dreaming that that lunch was going to go down in history, was going to be recorded in the greatest book of all times to be talked about for decades and centuries and the millennia to come. And, you know, being a parent can be history changing. We have the power to change history through our kids and that's a really scary but incredibly exciting thought. And so, you know, that was just about a lunch. But God breathed on that lunch and what a difference it made. God is positioning you and I for such a time as this. You know, he's positioning each of us to use what he's given and be the best that we can. And I do believe that he'll use our gifts, no matter how big or small, in a great way. All we have to do is be ourselves and run our race. And, you know, and in that I'm not saying we shouldn't have dreams or hopes or a vision for our life and want to get better and, and all that kind of thing. We, we, we do need to have that. We always need to be moving forward in life. That's so important. But in those dreams, in that vision, in where we want to go, we've got to make sure that we're being true to who God's called us to be, that we're still being ourselves. We're not trying to be something we're not called to be. So with that in mind, that's what I really want to talk about this morning running your race. Because in life, we're all in a race, but your race is made up of one person, you. That's it. The problem is most of us end up competing against a bunch of different people. You know, it could be our siblings, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, um, even our spouse. Um, it can happen, but our race is not actually a competition. But again, the world is so highly competitive, you know, they're always comparing looks and, and intelligence and sporting giftings and, and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, that stuff that the world values so highly is not what God values highly. It's, it, it's a different competition altogether. But we're not in those competitions. We're not even racing against anyone. Every one of us has a specific God-given race to run, and that's a race of one, you. 
Turn with me to Hebrews 12 verse 1, really familiar verse that we'll just read out. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And like most things, you know, it's easier said than done to run your own race. And sometimes you've got to figure out what that race is as well. And I don't know about you, but I've run a fair few races in my time, or I've tried to. I'm not running races, I'm yet to do that. Um, but <laughs> we went away with some friends recently, and my friend Steph is an amazing cook. And she's one of those people that can just take something and put a bit of this and a bit of that and, you know, mix a few things around and put it in the oven, and then it comes out. And it's amazing, you know, it's this incredible meal. And we had a couple of those while we were on holiday. And so when we got back, I was all inspired, and I got out all my recipe books, and I started of flicking through, trying to find something that looked sort of what, like what she made that I could use the ingredients in my house. And, and honestly, like after an hour, I um, grabbed a can, <laughs> grabbed my meat, put that thing together, put the rice on in the rice cooker, and that was our dinner. And you know what, like cooking, I mean cooking, maybe if I really tried hard, I might be able to do it really well, but it, it's not my race. I'm not patient enough. I haven't got that just natural bit of this, bit of that talent. And, um, you know, and I just, I don't have time for that anyway. I've got to focus on, on what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not my race. Um, I have looked at other speakers and, you know, they're so funny. And I would really love to be really funny. And I've, I think I've tried like once or twice. It's not good. Like it's, it sounds funny in my head, but then when it comes out, it's not that funny. So you're laughing now, but that's only because it's about me. But you know, like other people can just get up and tell stories and, and like Mike Pilavachi or Dave Paul. They're so funny and I wish I could be in that race. I wish I could be a comedian. Like it just, it, people love to be around people that are funny. I love to be around people that are funny. But anyway, it's, it's not my race. I'm not going to run it for you this morning. I'm not going to try. Um, I've tried different sports over the years. Again, really not my race. And I really hope that our kids get Sam's sporting genes, <laughs> not mine. Um, my race is definitely fitness, not sports. And I mean, those are just silly, light things. But you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's lots of different things that I've got distracted by along the way and that I've tried getting on someone else's race. You know, I've tried running something that I'm not called to do. And I think we all have that challenge in life. We've got to work out what it is that God's asking us to do and stick to that. We don't have time to run other people's races and we're never going to be that, that apple if we're running other people's races. You know, we're the banana. We don't want to be the banana. Um, King Saul had this problem and he got distracted and he started losing focus of his race. And I want to have a look at it. In 1 Samuel 16, in verse 21, so David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. And then Saul sent to Jesse and said, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was that whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that was the bad spirit that God sent, David would take a harp and play it with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed as well and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Notice those words, he loved him greatly. So this was a really good relationship. You know, Saul loved David, and, and David probably loved Saul. And um, they were friends, and they were maybe even really good friends. But 
As time went on, David excelled in battle. He killed Goliath. He became head over um, all the men of war, and, and everyone loved him. And things were still okay. You know, Saul was okay with that, and, and their relationship was, was fine. But a couple of verses down, in chapter 18, verse 6, it all went horribly wrong. Let's read it. Now it happened that as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the woman had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the woman sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him and he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul kept an eye, Saul eyed David from that day forward. And the living translation says, so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And I mean, to get a bit of picture, in fairness, I think Saul was, you know, probably sitting back and he was expecting whatever he was expecting and he certainly wasn't expecting all these ladies to come out and suddenly sing that David had killed 10,000s and he'd only killed thousands. And I mean, if it was any of us, if any of us were King Saul at that, at that moment, I'm pretty sure we'd all be a little bit angry, pretty annoyed, not very happy with David, and um, probably feeling quite jealous at that point. I mean, I know I would. It's, it can't have been nice for him to hear that song. But the problem was he went from being angry and upset and jealous to obsessed crazy and intent on killing David. And he lost focus of his race. He began to compare himself to David and he never recovered. He never went forward from that point on. And I want to have a look in a minute for the, um, at comparing because I feel like comparing is one of those annoying things that many of us fall into the trap of, but it only leads to three outcomes and they're all bad. The first one is that we think we're better than and that leads to pride or we think we're worse than, and we can feel jealous, inferior, and discouraged, or we think we're as good as, and we grow complacent, and we feel like we're doing okay, we might carry on as usual, we're not striving to become better, or to um, work at our character, or whatever it might be, and all those three things are not good. Comparing is a waste of time, energy, and emotion, and it doesn't work because we're not meant to live exactly the same life. Um, there's a great quote that says, don't compare your chapter 1 to someone else's chapter 20. And I like that because, you know, sometimes we look at people and we think, oh, they've got this and they're doing this and they've done A, B, C and D. But they might be on chapter 20 and actually we're just starting out. And by the time we get to chapter 20, we might have done those things as well. You know, it's comparing, it's, we're not on equal playing level. We're not on an equal playing ground. So we can't compare fairly anyway. And I mean, it's all well and good to say that, but being real, like this is something that I have struggled with and still struggle with at times. I mean, it's not easy to not compare. It just seems natural to look at someone else and compare yourself to them. And, you know, I wish I could say that I was free of that, um, but I'm not, but I'm working at it and, I, and I'm aware of it in my life. And it's interesting because I, I see it in Zach and that's really scary for me because <laughs> I know where he got it from. And just the other day um, we were at prayer meeting and Julian had his kids here and Zach and Tammy, Julian's oldest girl, were running around, they were running races. And I mean, Tammy was faster, like she was. 
And Zach said to me, oh, no, mum, you know, I just, I wish I was faster than Tammy. Why did God make me so slow? And, you know, like, he really, he was really upset about it. And I was thinking, wow, this is deep for a four-year-old. And, you know, we prayed about it. We talked about it. And, you know, I was just trying to tell him, hey, just enjoy having fun. Enjoy running. Enjoy just just being a kid and being yourself. But, you know, I could see that in him. And so that makes me want to work harder at, at, you know, getting on top of it for myself. And the Bible talks about it as well. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Bit of a complicated verse, but what it's saying is comparing is not wise. And Galatians 6 verse 4 to 5 says, Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each should carry their own load. Theodore Roosevelt said, Comparison is the theft of joy. I think that's very true. And there's another quote that goes like this. If you, continue, if you continuously compete with others, you become bitter. But if you continuously compete with yourself, you become better. And we're in a race of one. It's just us. And our job is to be the best we can. When we give our best to the world, we won't be, intimate, we won't be imitating anyone. And we'll be running our race without competition. You know, we need to count our own blessings, not someone else's blessings. And it's, it's not always easy. And sometimes, you know, we don't even notice that, that actually, yeah, we're comparing all the time. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe it's something that you haven't really thought about. But I want to encourage you like me, let's work on this. Let's, let's not compare to others. All that matters is God's opinion and what God thinks of us, what he's asked us to do, and that's what we've got to focus on. All right. Um, Zach, I'm talking a little bit about Zach this morning, but anyway, he is into his cars. He has a big collection of cars, as most little boys do. And I think, you know, lots of older boys are pretty into cars as well. So I'm going to talk about two cars just for a minute. I'm certainly no expert, but I just want to look at sports cars versus normal cars. So sports cars are single-purpose, high-performance vehicles, the gas guzzlers. They can reach high speeds and cut corners at 60 miles per hour. They're made to win races, and they suit a certain kind of driver, not me. Normal cars are um, practical. They're economical. They um, take passengers. They've got boot space that we can chuck all our stuff in. They're designed for our everyday lives. They're, um, you know, they're functional. Uh, sports cars are made for winning and entertainment and fun, but normal cars are practical, functional, and economical. Which car is better? Well, I think a normal car is better, but it all depends on what race you're driving. You know, are you on a racetrack? Because if you're on a racetrack, you certainly want that race car, that sports car. But if you're on the road, you probably just want a normal car. And, you know, the point is they're built for different purposes. And so are we. God has created each of us for a specific purpose. And God's not going to judge us um, based on our, what our neighbor achieved or what our parents achieved or what our friends have done in life or, you know, he's not going to judge us on anyone else or any other race that other people are running. All he's going to look at is what he gifted us with and what he asked us to do. And he's going to say, hey, did you run your race? And we want to be able to say a confident yes. Well, in all of this and in the Christian life with everything, faith is a huge key. 
And we've got to believe that God has mapped out a plan for us in this life and that it is good and that he'll lead us all the way as we trust and obey him. And, you know, sometimes we look at our lives and we think, where is that plan? You know, what is that race? I can't see anything but hardship and difficulties and battles and stuff that's going on. And it can be really hard to see um, God in the midst of our lives and our circumstances. And that's where faith kicks in. You know, we've got to go back to those verses and say, okay, I don't understand what's going on, but I know that God created me and that he gifted me. I know that he has a good plan and a good purpose for me. And we can't understand it all at the moment, but one day we will. One day we'll get to the end and he'll show us what he was doing. And we just got to be faithful. We got to keep that faith in him, keep walking every day in, in his ways and asking God to lead us on that path for his race. You know, Saul was called to be a slayer of thousands. David was called to be a slayer of ten thousands. It doesn't matter which is better. It matters that we do what God has for us to do. And sure, you know, it is hard if people um, surpass us or outperform us or do better, but that's okay. That's okay. And we have to just be able to say, yeah, I'm focused on running my own race and let's help others along the way. Let's cheer them on, but let's focus on doing what God has for us to do. And I know it, it sounds easy and it's, it's not always easy, but as we do that, like I said before, incredible freedom comes with that. You know, we're not worried about if other people are, are better than us or if other people are, are doing something we wish we could be doing because we're, we're happy to do what God has called us to do. We're happy to be ourselves. And I feel like that is really important to get that foundation right in our lives, especially in this time where God is moving and, and he's doing stuff. And you know, as a church, God has a unique and a specific plan for us. And it's different from other churches because every church has a specific plan. Every church has their own race. And just like individuals, you know, we can't compare different churches. We're all on a different pathway. And for Church Unlimited, our main calling is, is what we read here. We're an apostolic influence, an arrow of truth, winning souls, igniting God's fire and power into the nations. That's what we're called to do. We're called to reach New Zealand and beyond. We're called to run our conference. We're called called to have campuses, and, and that's exciting. That's part of our calling as a church, and that calling for Church Unlimited is for each of you as well, because you are the church. You know, you're called to be an arrow of truth. You're called to be an apostolic influence. You're called to win souls. You're called to ignite fires and, and God's power in the nations. You're called to be a part of our conference. You're called to be a part of our campuses, and it's so exciting to have, I think there's about 30 people that have gone up to Kaitaia this morning, and they, they're being part of that service, and, and they're going to make a difference in that place. And, you know, whatever way it is, whether we, we pray or whether we give or whether we go, we're called to be part of these things, every single one of us. It doesn't matter if, if we're a leader or if we're not a leader, if we're serving or we're not serving. The calling that's on Church Unlimited is for each one of us, no matter where we're at. It's for all of us to take it because God, um, you know, he needs you. He needs your gifts. He needs your commitment. He needs you to run your race so that together we can fulfill what God has for us as a church and what he has for us as individuals. In the last two weeks, 
I can't even begin to tell you all the different things that have been happening in our lives and, you know, in church and just there seems to be like lots of dramas going on and I feel like there, it's been a season where we're in a battle. There's been some spiritual warfare and um, it's, you know, it's not been easy but I think that Satan's not too happy with us. You know, he's not too happy that we're expanding. He's not too happy that we're getting passionate about our nation and the nations. He's not too happy that we're getting mobilized and that you're all global ministers with supernatural vocations. He's not too happy that we're in a new era of conquest, that we're going after becoming an epicenter of spiritual awakening. He's not happy that we've just spent time in prayer and fasting and, and seeking him. And, and he's going to try and do all he can to stop that momentum that's going on. And I don't know if you've felt it in your own life, but I've certainly felt it that there is an attack, that Satan's trying to shut down some of what God has started and what God's stirring in our spirits. And so if you have felt that, if you've felt like there's an attack on your family, maybe it's in health, maybe it's just you're feeling discouraged, maybe it's in your kids, whatever area it might be, um, or even if you don't feel it, I want to encourage you that I think we need to be praying for protection every single day for ourselves and for our families because there is a battle going on and, and, you know, God is on the move and it's awesome and I'm, I just, every Sunday, I love Sundays, you know, I love coming to this place and coming to church and being a part of what God is doing but at the same time, there is that battle and so we need to be praying. We need to know our word. We need to know what it is to put on the armor of God so that we can fight, so that we're going to not get knocked down. You know, it is so important because all of you, all of you are so important. And, and I really feel like um, the good news is, I mean, we're on the winning side, so we don't have to worry, but we do, need to, we do need to be aware and we do need to pray. But I feel like for each one of us, your best is yet to come. You know, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've done, what you haven't done, what you're going to do, doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, for each one of us, our best is yet to come. I really believe that. I want you to take a hold of it. I wish I could tell you individually all the amazing things about you and the different giftings you have. But, you know, I pray that God reveals, to that, re- reveals that to you. But, you know, it's important that at this time we say, okay, God, um, here I am. This is what you've gifted me with. This is what I think you want me to do. I'm going to run my race. I'm not going to look to the left or the right. I'm not going to get sidetracked. I'm going to stay focused on you. And I believe as we do that, not only is your best yet to come, but, you know, the gifts that you have, God's going to anoint them. He's going to breathe on them, and he's going to do something great with those gifts. So if I could just have the musicians to come, that would be great. You know, we're going to sing... um, Leave me astounded, because that's what I feel like God is doing all over this place. He's leaving us astounded, and I want you to feel that way about yourself even. You know, just say, well, God, I can see what you're doing in my life. I can see that you've made me this way for a purpose and for a reason, and that you have a great plan for my life. And so why don't you just stand with me right now? We're going to sing that song, maybe just from the chorus. And why don't you just allow God just to just to speak into your heart. And if, if you do struggle with, you know, just being yourself and being confident in that, why don't you give that to God this morning? If you struggle with comparing, give that to God this morning. If you're not sure you're on the right race, why don't you give that to God as well? And let's believe Him to move as we sing that song.